from marketing strategies that run you ragged to doing it all on your terms in a way that will keep working for you for years. This is Don't Rush Me. Hey, I'm Maria Spear Alice, and I hate rushing. It never yields good things to rush, whether it's rushing to finish a client project or rushing to put on eyeliner. But when we have 10,000 things on our minds at any given moment, it's hard not to fall into that habit. I've had a lot of very specific technical training in my life. Hello, music school and law school. But none of that training prepared me for being a business owner, a lawyer, a wife, a mom, or really just a functional adult woman with a huge to-do list. I'm no guru, but I created Don't Rush Me as a way to talk more about the slow, simple tools you can start using today to make your life and business life a little So whether you're a healer, a coach, or a business owner, a professional craving that slowdown, come with me as we learn about the small, easy things that can make a huge difference in your mind, body, or business. I have a love-hate relationship with Instagram. I don't know about you. It got to a peak at some point during the pandemic. I actually completely deleted my personal Instagram. But in terms of professional Instagram, I mean, it can feel like you are constantly posting or you constantly have to post and everything you do has to go on Instagram. First of all, from an intellectual property standpoint, to put on my other hat for a moment, you don't own that stuff. I mean, you own it. Your photographs and your video content are your property, but someone could delete your Instagram tomorrow and then what do you have? So (laughs) that's that give and take, that love-hate in terms of a relationship with Instagram. The other part about Instagram is, of course, that Someone might see your post today. Maybe they'll see it tomorrow. Maybe if they start following you, they'll see one or two of your things just like in passing. But for the most part, it's a very transient platform. You're not going to see posts from a couple of days, a couple of weeks, a couple of years ago. That's why I love the strategies I talked through today with my guest, Mandy Liz. Mandy Liz is a branding photographer, but she is also a marketing strategist, and she has learned in her own business about embracing that long-form content and those SEO-based platforms. In this episode, you're going to hear her talk about her favorite marketing strategies for easier lead generation, the key to a super effective Pinterest strategy. Yes, we're going to talk about Pinterest and how her burnout experience was a segue into slower living, into practicing healthier boundaries and ways to run her business on her terms instead of running it according to all of the coaches and gurus and strategists. She even took a year-long break from Instagram and her business did not slow down. Mandy Liz is a brand photographer and marketing consultant with over a decade of experience in marketing. She's passionate about empowering women business owners to develop engaging brands through stunning photos, impactful content strategies, and a keen intuition for building a brand's like, know, and trust factor. Mandy Liz knows that when women can blaze their trail, they can change the world. Amen, sister. But before we get into my conversation with Mandy Liz, here is our holistic history lesson this week on Yerma Mate. Yerba mate, or if you're using the Argentinian dialect, yerba mate, is an herbal tea that's made from the leaves and the twigs of the mate plant. It's popular in South American countries like Argentina, where the plant grows, and it's a member of the holly family. According to Mayo Clinic, some studies suggest that the tea may have helpful effects on cholesterol, weight loss, the heart, inflammation, and cancer risk. 
Spiritually, it was used by natives in ceremony and said to increase vitality and heal sickness. It is high in caffeine, so maybe that has something to do with the increased vitality bit. It is a community experience if you're having a true yerba mate experience. And according to our beautiful guest today, in Argentinian culture, if someone offers you yerba mate, it's very rude if you don't accept it in a circle. You basically take the mate cup and pass it down from one person to the next, refill it and pass it down, all using the same straw. And it's a very communal activity, which I love so much. I can just picture it. Supposedly, when the Argentinian soccer team went to the World Cup this past season, the joke was that they won because of the mate that they all drank. It was something like 1,100 pounds of yerba mate that they took with them. I hope you enjoyed that holistic history lesson on yerba mate. Here is my conversation with Mandy Liz. Mandy, Liz, welcome to the podcast. Yes, hello. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. It's been a couple of years, probably two years, since I was on your podcast. Yes, yes. I would love for you to, I've said your bio, but I would love for you to just kind of introduce yourself to listeners and tell them, you know, who you are, who you serve. I know you have, you serve in different capacities, but just how it is that you've got to doing the work that you do today. Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Mandy Liz, and I'm a brand photographer based out of Nashville, Tennessee. I also do marketing consulting for clients. And the new side of my business, I do education for other photographers, specifically pivoting into branding. So I have a lot of different facets of my business, um, but the tried and true thing is brand photography and photography in general that can empower and encourage women in their journey and entrepreneurship or in whatever capacity that they are choosing to build their life and leave a legacy. So that is what I do. And I just, I'm excited to be having this conversation with you today because I feel like in all of the different facets of what I do, you know, that's all grown over time and it's grown slowly. And I've, I've been able to find the different things that I am passionate about and find the niche that I want to work in. But with that comes a lot of hours, comes a lot of time, comes a lot of sacrifice. And a topic that you talk a lot about on your podcast is burnout. And slowly on my journey to find what I was doing, which is brand photography, I did encounter burnout and I did encounter a season that was unhealthy in my business while trying to get to where I am today. So I'm excited to dive into that with you today. Yes, I am excited to dive into that too, because I think it's important for people to know that burnout can happen in so many different contexts. It can happen if you're not happy at work. It can happen if you're doing things that you really, really love too. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I know a lot of business owners, like we all have different journeys as to like how we started our business. But for me, I didn't just start my business from one day to the next. It happened very accidentally. And it happened from, you know, with photography, that was a hobby for me. So that was a way that I flexed my creativity outside of a day job, outside of a nine to five job. And then very slowly, my hobby turned into this side hustle. And then that side hustle turned into my full-time career. And when you're in a season of burnout, you you don't have that gratitude for that. Like I was getting resentful in my work um, and not truly resentful. Like I obviously still see, like I could see, I loved my my like business more than my nine to five, a hundred percent. But there is a season where when you're just getting yourself burnt out, you're not able to be 
grateful for what you're doing you're not able to see like how far you've come because you're just like stuck in the weeds so for a business like mine that did go from a hobby to a side hustle to a full-time thing it can be very tricky to to navigate that in a way that you remain grateful for what you're building that you remain that you have boundaries on what you're doing and that you're able to carry it through in a healthy way Yes. And to keep your love, you know, the love that made you start doing it as a hobby, you know, to keep that love, even when, you know, you, it's, it's so busy that you don't have time to come up for air or whatever it is. Like, like you said, having those boundaries. So let's talk about boundaries and let's talk about when you started to be quote unquote good about your boundaries. Was it mm-hmm. kind of when you were in that burnout and and what was it that made you take a step back and say, okay, I need to put up some boundaries here? Yeah, honestly, I still struggle with boundaries. It comes a lot easier to me now than before, but I still struggle with it because sure. at the end of the day, if you're a business owner, for the most part, you probably do have a side to you that is driven, a side to you that is ambitious, a side to you that has this tendency to want more and to want to set goals and achieve those. So that is definitely who I am. One of my top five strengths is the achiever. So that is built into me. So as an achiever, I'm naturally going to be striving for more. So I still struggle with boundaries a little bit, but I think I'm more mindful now of of having gone through burnout. I don't want to go through that again. Like once you go through burnout, I saw somewhere online, don't quote me on this because I wouldn't be able to give you like who said this or where the (laughs) statistic comes from, but I did see something last year that said something along the lines of it can take three to four years to recover from one year burnout. So once you hit burnout, it can take four years to get out of that space. And that was a big wake up call to me. Like I had already known that like I already had seen the side effects to burnout on my business. I had seen it like in my own personal life and in who I am. But then just being met with that statistic of like, oh, it has such a deeper effect on you, like on on the way that your body operates and on the way that like just your hormones and all of that. Like I was just like, oh, my word, I don't want to go through that again. Yeah. So it, it more than just like, yeah, I can set boundaries with like my office hours. I can set boundaries with my phone. I can set boundaries with like my clients. But aside from all of those little things that you can do, I think it's more just being mindful of, I don't want to experience what I've already gone through. So you have to change your mindset. You have to change your lifestyle so that you don't run into that again. Yeah, absolutely. And boundaries with technology is a great, great one Mm. or or a great first step, at least. And some of these tools make it so easy for us. You know, I know that iPhone can alert you, right, to how much time you're spending on your phone. And I feel like those are good steps that everyone can take, a good, easy first step, because boundaries with clients are, to me, a little bit harder. (laughs) You know what? You say that, but I had hired Maria last year to help with some of my contracts and everything. And I do feel so much more empowered after working with her because she got that language in my contract nailed down for what my office hours will be and when clients can expect to like to have me communicate with them. So those little things that I know now that I have like the legality behind it to support the boundary, that feels really, really empowering as a business owner. And then you can just like what I've done, I've just kind of shifted that into my email signature for like these are office hours or this is when, especially a business like mine where I'm Like, yes, I'm a business owner. Yes, I do work Monday through Friday, but not always in my office. I'm a photographer. I'm out with clients shooting. So if I'm making money, 
I'm not in my office technically. So I have to have those reminders sometimes of, yes, I work Monday through Friday, but I'm not going to be in my office. I'm not going to be responding to emails. So being able to have that in a contract and then repeat that language in the email signature and repeat it throughout my client workflow has been very peace-giving for me. I'm so glad to hear that. I have never thought about your contract being a, a... Uh, helping you to prevent burnout, but that's good copy. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Great. Well, that's great. Okay, good. We've talked about burnout and we've talked about a couple of little things that people can do, but I'm curious in terms of bringing more ease in the marketing context, because I know that you are a, well, in my opinion, a marketing guru and, and you're so good about SEO and Pinterest and kind of doing marketing on your terms instead of just blah, 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 doing all the things everywhere and listening to all of the people and doing what you should do online and where you should be showing up. So I would love to hear about about marketing on your own terms and where someone can start with introducing more ease into how they're marketing their business. Yeah. And I love that, especially that word ease. That was my word of the year, like two years ago. And I still have it behind me on my desk. It says ease is a relaxed condition with an absence of effort or effort and pressure. And that to me is important because I want there to be ease in my business in every, in every facet, whether that is lead generation, which is going to come from marketing, whether that is sales, whether that's just the client experience, I want there to be a level of ease for running businesses and running a business is hard. Like no one can deny that. But the things that you do within your business don't have to be hard. <laughs> you can like simplify it for you. So I definitely, I do a lot of concept calls and education around marketing in a way that is easy for you. And I can share what seems to resonate the most with the people I talk to and with the clients that I work with is they are tired of feeling like they're on this like hamster wheel, constantly trying to pink out content, constantly trying to create. And it's so hard because we do have to create content. I will be the first person to tell you to create content, but you have to be smart and strategic with the content that you're creating. In this day and age, like TikTok and Instagram, they all have their purpose and they have benefits. You can go viral pretty like effortlessly in certain certain platforms and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, I always come back to Instagram for me, the content isn't going to be long lasting. You might hop on a trend and you might have a video that does go viral. So it is going to serve longer than 24 hours, which is what it used to be. So that's fantastic. That is a benefit from reels and all of that. But at the end of the day, Instagram isn't going to be where I start creating content because that isn't going to be easy. That's going to be you constantly reinventing the wheel and constantly kind of being in this rat race. So yeah, I love SEO and I love Pinterest because when I was, you know, generating my leads and creating content for my own business, those are the platforms that got most results for me. Google is a huge lead generator for me. my top lead generator. And then I do get clients from Instagram. I do get clients from Pinterest, but Google is that number one thing for me. And what I love about it is content that I created over five years ago is still bringing me clients today. So when I think about marketing with ease, I know that marketing still is going to take time. It's still going to take work, 
but you can make it something that is long lasting, something that is working for you, something that you do once and then you reap the results from it long term instead of just constantly posting every single day, getting a new thing up on Instagram and having it die after 24 hours. So I definitely educate heavily on SEO and Pinterest. And those are two things that I think people just forget about because it's not social media when a lot of marketing gurus and and marketing experts are talking to people they're putting that focus on like you need to be visible you need to be visible and a lot of times visibility looks like social media but you can't forget search engines and the importance of being visible on search yes yes amen to that and i think at least from my perspective please correct me if i'm wrong but doing keyword research and finding you know the perfect title it does take some time. And so people think, well, I don't have to do that on Instagram. I can just whoosh, put something mm-hmm. up there and it's done where that's maybe a stopgap for people is it putting in that little extra on the front end. But the benefit is that it's there for a long time as opposed to something on Instagram, like you just said. Yeah, absolutely. And I can also just give a little tip because we're going through and doing this in my business right now. We've gone through and printed out like, oh, 200 to 300 blog posts that we've ever written and we're just auditing them one by one like doing a few every week but the great thing is yeah keyword research takes time and you might not always get it on the first try like you might think that you thought of an amazing keyword and then used it in your blog title used it in the blog post but then you're like not generating traffic you're not seeing any results to your website and it's just a blog post that isn't really doing anything for you you can always go back and fix it so create the content, do long form content. And then um, if you're seeing that your keyword that you picked is just not working and maybe you missed the mark, you can go back and try a different keyword and you're not going to be penalized for that. You're actually, you you get benefits from that. And that's what we're doing. We're kind of going back through some of my blog posts from five years ago that have lost their marketing juice and lost their marketing mojo. And we're going back and updating them and giving them some fresh keywords, giving them some new life, making them have a few more relevant, you know, content for today and posting or clicking publish again and giving it new life. So it is something that it it takes, it might take more work on the front end, but even if you don't get it right the first time, you can do small adjustments and then see it take off for you. Gosh, I have never thought about that. I mean, I know that theoretically having a blog or something that you're updating on your website pushes it up on the search engine because it's an update. But I have never thought about updating old content Mm -hmm. counting as an update that can help you SEO-wise. Yes, it's definitely worth it. Obviously, you don't have to do it. You don't have to go crazy and do like everything, but especially for someone like you, Maria, who you have a backlog of all this YouTube content and all of these blog posts. I'm like, yeah, you could 100% go and update a, a few small things to make it relevant to 2023 and give it some fresh air and give it new life. Man, that is a really, really good tip. Thank you for that. <laughs> and I and the, and the other thing that popped into my head about Instagram versus kind of some of this SEO-driven content is that I was talking to my husband actually about this because he's a business owner too. And he said, do you get business from Instagram? And I thought, Instagram is kind of more a relationship builder. Like you can have conversations with people on Instagram and it also sort of functions as a business card because I always look to see what someone's, if I meet someone, you know, if I happen to meet someone in person or I'm looking at an event that I went to and seeing who all was there, I check, I check and see what their account is all about and what have they been posting about. So it kind of functions as a business card. Yeah. But 
I mean, yeah, the YouTube, that YouTube was a slow build for me, but I still get, there's this one, one video where I went through Canva's terms of use. I actually had to turn the comments off because it was an old version of their terms of use and it just got action forever and ever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like that would clearly, I'm like, if, if for an industry of like yours, people are looking for advice and they're typically like, if you're looking for an attorney or someone in the legal field, it's because you need help. I'm like, they are looking for that advice and that longer content. So I'm like, I could definitely see that being a sweet spot for you. But then Instagram being the place where you're able to connect and able to show like, hi, I'm not a scary attorney. Like I'm the person that you do want to hire because I'm not intimidating. Yes. (laughs) Yes. So, okay. So, so we talked about SEO and kind of Google. I'd love to talk about Pinterest. And you also mentioned, you know, creating content and it's something that we all should do. And I feel like there's you know, you have a blog, you have a YouTube, you have a podcast. Am I missing anything in terms of kind of the bigger no, you know, yeah, content? So, so does one perform better than the other in terms of Pinterest because it's so visual? I mean, Pinterest definitely loves images and right now it's loving video. So people that do have video content that performs great on Pinterest But Pinterest is hard because, or it's not hard, but the challenge of Pinterest is that it is a visual search engine. So yeah, you could totally take a clip from a podcast recording that you like posted on YouTube and take it and post that and like cross post it to Pinterest, but that will probably not perform as well as some B-roll with text over it that gives context as to what they're going to be clicking and opening because yeah like it's a visual search engine so people do their search but then they're trying to find the actual content that's going to give them information and the content that's going to give them information isn't going to just be like a small video clip on pinterest it's going to be the written text or the longer video that they can then like consume so pinterest loves video content it also loves images but they specifically have a big push right now for fresh pins which means they want content on pinterest that has not been shared to pinterest before Mm. so they want new graphics they want new images they want stuff that's fresh to them so they will definitely prioritize all of that but i feel for a platform like pinterest it's all about testing like i do so much testing on there everything's an experiment so yeah talk about that yeah so that means in general for pinterest like when i approach it if i take a blog post that i've written i will generally share it to pinterest five different times i for the most part will keep that title and description so when you share something to pinterest you have to have a pin title and a pin description and you want that to align with the content that either on your website or on youtube whatever you want it to be something that gives some context for what they will find because It is a search engine, so Pinterest is using the keywords and the content in your pin title and description to feed that to the right people. So you want it to be relevant for them. But for the most part, I will keep that text the same across all five pins that I share and and then just change the visual. So I might try that title and description with a video. I might try that title and description with a Canva graphic, and I might try that title and description with an image. And then see which one gets the most traction. And it is a platform that you experiment on because the more that you use it, the more that you share, you will see trends and you will see what type of content works for you in your business. But you do have to experiment because what works for 
a personal brand isn't going to be the same thing that works for a product business. And what works for a digital business, like a digital product business, isn't going to be the same thing that works for a service-based business owner. So it's all about experimenting, but you have the liberty to share, like keep keep that text the same because that's the part that takes the most time. Keep that text the same and try different visuals and see what works for you. Interesting. That's a really good tip because my thought would be that you have to change the text every time. And that sounds like a lot. <laughs> and you can. There's, I do that as well. There's benefits to that because the example I like to give for this is if you have one blog post about I'm just going to go with Nashville Realtor because I have this. But if I have a blog post about brand photos for Nashville Realtor, I might want one title to be real estate agent photos, another title to be brand photos for Nashville Realtor, another title to be realtor poses and social media photo ideas. Like you can change it if you're targeting keywords, but you have to do the keyword research in order to get those keywords. So if you're not being intentional with doing that keyword research, and if you don't have a good mix of like five different keywords that you're targeting, then I don't think it's worth your time writing a new title and description for each pen. I think it makes sense to just copy and paste it. But if you are being intentional and you do have this list of keywords that you're targeting, then yes, 100% change that because it will be more purposeful to see like if one person searches one keyword, someone else is going to choose to search a different keyword. So you're targeting two different types of demographics there. And it seems like if you're not using those targeted keywords, then that you're really missing out because that's the whole purpose of platforms yes. like Pinterest and YouTube and search engine type platforms. Yes, 100%. And that is where I do think some people get confused because a lot of people forget that Pinterest is a search engine. It's not social media. So right. they come onto Pinterest and they treat it the same way that they would their Instagram content. And it's just not the same. So that is where you need to make a very conscious decision when you're creating your content. You can repurpose your Instagram captions and your Instagram posts for Pinterest, but you do have to have that searchability to it. You have to be thinking of people aren't coming there to connect with you. They're coming there to be educated, to find a resource, to solve a problem. They're not coming for community. They're coming for like something to solve their problem and to, you know, have the search met. Yes. Oh, so good. Well, I'm curious. I know that you you take on marketing clients, but if you are you taking on marketing clients and can you kind of paint the picture of what it would look like for when someone comes to you in terms of tying all of this together? Yeah, absolutely. So I am taking on marketing clients and I work with people in two different ways, depending on what their needs are. So the first one is a one-on-one -on -one strategy call. And that's where we just have 60 minutes together to deep dive. We can either pick one specific topic or just kind of have a general audit of what you're doing, but we can just come together. I can brain dump to you, give you a lot of good strategy tips and a lot of ideas for what I would be doing if I was in your shoes and then you go implement that yourself or I have the marketing blueprint which is a more kind of like my VIP intensive offer where we're strategizing on the front end with a call but then I'm doing all of that keyword research for you for your SEO and I am doing all that optimizing for your Pinterest profile so it is a heavy heavy focus on your SEO and your Pinterest and then there is room to, you know, do some things for social media and other marketing efforts like email marketing. But most clients come to get their keywords 
to get their page titles and meta descriptions written for their website, to get their website audited, to make sure that they have everything optimized with their headings correctly labeled and all of that for SEO. And then doing the same thing over to their Pinterest, optimizing that profile, getting your keywords in place and building out your first few boards and your first few pens so that you can start on the right the right foot, getting everything optimized for Pinterest. So good. That, there's so much in there. And I, I imagine it's so valuable to even to just have like the list of keywords. That is yes. so huge. That's such a time saver. I mean, just thinking for someone like me to go through and uncover those keywords sounds like something very specialized and like I wouldn't know where to start where you have the knowledge to say okay I'm gonna I'm gonna put these together and then you can reuse those right and maybe tweak them and reuse them to create new content yes absolutely most of my clients like obviously those keyword the first priority and the first focus for someone that has a website and wants their website to perform better is going to be to plug those into their website and get those going for them for google searches but Aside from that, those are keywords that you're going to target on your blogs. Those are keywords that you can target in all of your content moving forward. If you have a podcast or if you have a YouTube, that's going to be the same, the same keywords that you plug in there. So yes, it's definitely something that it's not just for a website. It's for all the content that you're creating that is searchable. And the great thing about the keyword research, there's a lot of ways that you can do it. And there's a lot of keywords that you can use, of course, like absolutely almost anything can be a keyword that you search on Google. I understand that. But I think what people forget or what people need to be mindful of is the quality of the keywords that they're using. Because you want keywords that are going to be relevant. You want them to be actually something that people are searching for. You want them to be a keyword that gives you authority. So it's something that is going to rank you higher and something that you will be able to actually like compete for in the rankings. And then you want it to be something that actually has search volume. So that means how many people are actually typing in this keyword each month? Because if you are ranking for it, but only two people search for that term each month, that does nothing for you. So the sweet spot really is doing your your keyword research and finding those keywords that are going to grow your visibility, grow your visibility, grow your reach, help you get in front of the right people and actually get traffic to your website. And all of that, that whole process is in the end going to bring more ease I think to people instead of just what am I going to talk about this week on Instagram (laughs) yeah absolutely and I I am back on Instagram now I do enjoy Instagram but I took a whole year off of Instagram and I'm a photographer and I took a whole year in 2022 basically it was kind of 2021 to 2022 I was not on Instagram at all and I needed that space I needed that I needed to step away from that platform and I needed that just that permission to not be on the platform. And I was a little bit nervous about what that would mean for my lead generation and what that would mean for my clients. But my leads never stopped. My leads always kept coming in and it was because of Google and it was because of that focus on keywords. So, you know, now I'm back on the platform. I am generating leads with Instagram again and I love it, but I needed that break and I needed to be able to set a boundary with that platform and know that it wouldn't hurt my business and if you're in a position in your business that if you're too scared to stop anything in your marketing because of what that could mean for your revenue that's a scary place to be in and that might be something worth considering how you can change your marketing and how you can change your lead generation so that you do have freedom to step back when you need to yeah yeah Boy, I bet your nervous system was just so calm a year off of Instagram yes all that (laughs) 
don't have to compare the same way as before. Yes. You have to be looking at all this content and noise. <laughs> yes. Oh, so good. Well, as a last little to put a bow on this conversation, I would love to hear just in terms of kind of incorporating some more slow living, setting your boundaries with Instagram. Is there something that you have found that just really helps you to tune out the noise, helps you to kind of calm at the end of maybe a crazy day or something like that? Yeah. I mean, I can give a little bit of my slow living journey. Yeah. Because I am definitely an achiever. I am a fast paced person, but I did have to just kind of slow down a little bit. And for me, for someone who did have a business or does have a business that was a hobby and I lost a hobby, the first thing that I did was go find a new hobby. Mm. And once a week, every Friday, I take the day off of work and I'm in a pottery studio. So I now have this creative outlet that allows me to, first of all, I love other business owners and I love connecting with other business owners. But when you're an entrepreneur, I think it becomes very easy for you to only be surrounded by entrepreneurs. At least that was my case. I very quickly like went from having a pretty diverse group of friends of like business owners, non-business owners, whatever, to only interacting with business owners. And that is hard. So I now have a place for once a week. I get to step out of the office. I have very intentional time for myself that I set aside. And I'm just playing with mud and water, essentially. But I'm also with a bunch of people that no one talks about work. No one asks me about work. And it's very intentional of a protective space to have for myself. So that was one thing is just creating a new hobby for myself and finding a new way to be creative because my creativity was getting sucked out a little bit in my business. So yeah, I did that. That was really, really helpful. I definitely have just been more intentional with my office hours. Uh, for the most part, I do try to work 20 to 25 hours a week and I, I stick to that pretty well. And that wasn't the case before. I was just working around the clock all the time. So just being intentional with, I think when you realize that you give yourself set timelines and set hours to work with, then you'll get the work done. But when you just kind of like work around the clock, it's very, it was easier for me at least to get distracted. And to be gravitating to fires that felt like they need to be put out when they, they did not need to be put out at that specific time. So just being more intentional with that. And then the language with your clients, when you start showing that you have boundaries and you start talking about your boundaries and you start operating your business in a way that respects you more, your clients will as well. And that to me, like I'm a people put, or I'm a people pleaser. And that is something that I struggled with. I was always wanting to like, sacrifice my own boundaries to please someone else. And I think when you just start kind of communicating that with people and communicating like what your boundaries are, you, you don't have to have this need to please someone so much. So that was helpful for me. Yes. And I feel like achievers and entrepreneurs in general feel like there's always a tendency to over deliver. And if somehow yeah. you somehow if you have boundaries, that means that your client's not going to have a good experience or something, which is so, so not the case. Yeah, that's so wrong. But I totally understand that because I feel like there probably was a version of me that believed that or believed like, oh, I'm giving them like a five-star experience because of the way I'm showing up. Where it's like, no, you're giving them an experience where you're like ragged and you're stressed and that's not serving anyone well. Yes. And, and that doesn't serve your creativity well. Mm -mm. Yeah, absolutely. I think finding a hobby is a really, really good tip as well, because we tend, 
at least I do, you know, I'm, I'm a mom, I'm a business owner. And I find that when I go to mom things, like this little tiny voice inside of me just wants to talk about my business because that's, you know, it's part of our identities. Yeah. Yeah. But there's so much, there's only so much you can talk about your business and there's so much more to your life than, you know, their work. Certainly it can be a big, big part of your life, but having a hobby the Christmas village you made, it was just yeah. so beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> so having a hobby, whether it's pottery or something else is a really good idea too. Yeah, no, absolutely. That to me was just a big, it made all the difference. Cause even if, if you are having a stressful week, if you are having a busy season, which photography is a seasonal type of job. So there are seasons where it's way busier than others, but just knowing like, okay, I have set a boundary that I'm taking every Friday off. I'm out of the office. I'm not skipping my class. I'm being intentional. So even during busy seasons, it forces you to like, you know, you have something to look forward to and it forces you to take time for yourself. Yes. So good. Thank you so much for being here. Tell us, tell everyone where we can follow along with you. Yes, you can find me on Instagram at Mandy Liz Photography. And then my website is MandyLiz.com. And if you happen to be a photographer and you're wanting to pivot into the commercial world and into brand photography, then I have a whole array of things for you at BrandPhotographyShop.com. Amazing. Thank Thank you, Mandy Liz. Bye. This episode was brought to you by The Legal Apothecary. Hey. That's my business. I'm a licensed attorney, and my practice is the Legal Apothecary, which is a female-forward holistic legal service for creative women that want to focus on growing their influence and their gifts. And part of the Legal Apothecary is the Legal Apothecary Library, where I sell easy-to-follow contract templates for you to use in your business. As a podcast listener, use code PODCAST for a 22% discount on any of the contract kits that you find in the Legal Apothecary Library. Link in the show notes.